Hello, and welcome to The Yellow Sofa. I'm Phil. And I'm Christy. And we're here with our friends, Conley and Signa Bodishbaugh, who have amazing life stories that are true. And you are just not going to want to miss them. Hi, Conley. Hi, Signa. Where are we going to start today? Thank you, Phil and Christy Dennis. Today, we want to start off by asking y'all a question. And think about it a minute without just giving an answer too fast. But do you believe in biblical miracles happening today? And I might kind of prime the pump a little bit and say, have you ever seen a biblical miracle? Have you ever read about one happening today? Have you ever experienced one? I started doing some research of a framework of the four dominant categories of miracles in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. And I found that there are four primary areas that almost any miracle that's recorded in the Bible could fall into one of these four areas. And the first one would be healing miracles, and that'd be curing physical impairments and physical illnesses. The second one might be categorized as exorcisms, They'd be casting out demons and unclean spirits. The third one might relate to nature, like calming storms, feeding multitudes. And the fourth one could be miracles of restoration, like raising the dead, restoring to life. When you keep those in mind of healing, exorcisms, nature, and restoration, have you ever read about them? Have you ever seen one? Have you ever experienced one personally? Well, if someone had asked me that question the first 32 years of my life, do you believe in biblical miracles? I probably would have said no, but more honestly, I'd probably backtrack a little bit and say, I'm not sure. I don't know if I believe in it or not. Until the night of March 5th, 1972, when God unmistakably demonstrated the power of His presence and changed our lives forever, I can say unequivocally, yes, I absolutely, with all my heart, believe in biblical miracles happening today. Experience is the best teacher. And so often, we have been conditioned not to believe miracles are occurring or even that God is intervening in people's lives today. Because, by and large, people just have been educated about humanism more than in godlyism. We kind of got into this because, like I said last week, we weren't heathens. We were going to church. We were not just going to the church service. We were going to a Sunday school class. This was an adult Sunday school class that was held between the two worship services on a Sunday morning. And it was, for that church, a a large class, 40, 50 adults. At the request of the priest, a lady who was new to the church was leading the classes. And he had found out from her that she had a great interest in and knowledge of C.S. Lewis, who, if you haven't encountered him in his writing, you're missing a blessing. You've got something exciting ahead of you. A little embarrassed to say we had not encountered him at that point in our lives. I'd never read anything C.S. Lewis wrote. I'd heard his name, but I didn't know who he was. 
this lady's analysis of him was he was the theologian for the intellectuals for the 20th century. All of them, I think, in the class, being a university town, thought uh, ourselves as intellectual. How little we actually knew, we would find out later. This lady was Leanne Payne, and she at that time was at the University of Arkansas working on her master's in literature with a major in the works of C.S. Lewis. So that's what qualified her to come in and say she had an interest in sharing her expertise with the class. Her plan was to teach the books of C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity and Abolition of Man. She encouraged us to buy the books and read them, and then on each Sunday, she would unpack the books for us, which we desperately needed. And in the process, she told enough about herself that I think almost everybody in the class was more interested in her life than they were in C.S. Lewis's books. We were all busy people. Certainly, I was a new partner in a busy construction firm. We recently built a house. We were trying to equip the home. We'd only lived in Fayetteville for a couple of years. And I didn't feel like I had time to read during the week. We had a social life and wasn't something that I was going to take the time to do. One Sunday during the Christmas holidays when the attendance was way down in our class, she was not going to spend the time to teach a class that she knew she was going to have to repeat the next week because the people who were out of town would come back. So she just was telling stories about what she had experienced in a prayer group in Wheaton, Illinois, led by an Episcopal priest, Richard Winkler. He was one of the early leaders in the charismatic renewal in the Episcopal Church. I don't know how many of us really believed all the stories she told, but we were interested in why she believed them, because she was obviously an intelligent person. She was very calm, loving, low-keyed, and it was interesting to hear her stories. Oh, my goodness, they were fascinating. I mean, it, it was like page-turner fiction. It was so fascinating, the stories she would tell, and I couldn't even believe they were real. But she seemed to believe it with all her heart, which also made it fascinating. <laughs> She was from Little Rock originally, and she felt like God was telling her to come back to Arkansas and enroll at the University of Arkansas, leaving her role at Wheaton College. We were very interested in things she would talk about, God speaking to her, God directing her about this prayer group praying for people who were ill and seeing them healed. I'd never met anybody that claimed to have participated in something like that. I'd known a number of pastors in various places in our adult life, but never had any of them professed to uh, experience what she experienced. Let me paint you a picture of Leanne Payne at that time. She was in her late 30s. She was beautiful, dark hair, arranged in a real sophisticated chignon, always wore long dresses, and she always had a fresh red rose up in her hair. And to my way of thinking, I just thought she was exotic. I'd never seen anyone like her before, and I'd sure never heard anybody tell stories like she did before. So it made for the most fascinating Sunday school class that particular Sunday, when through stream of consciousness, she just told story after story after story of miracles. And none of us in that room knew enough about anything to even ask an intelligent question. So we just listened. One of the things that separated her from the class 
was that the people in that class at that point in time never used the word Jesus. We talked about Christ. And Leanne would talk about Jesus as though he was a friend of hers, as though they had conversations. That set her apart. I remember trying to unpack a little bit more of her life and her beliefs than she was normally telling in the Sunday school class. So I'd thought up all week this question I was going to ask her at the next Sunday. And to me, talking about Jesus was an extremely vulnerable topic, and I was very uncomfortable about it, so I wanted to get the question just right. So after the class, I went up to Leanne. I said, can I ask you a question before you go into the next service? Oh, yes, Colin, yes. And I said, you really believe there was a man, Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God and that he really did miracles, that he was hung on a cross to die, He was raised from the dead, and today, because he was raised from the dead, he is still alive in the world, and you can have a relationship with him, don't you? It was the longest question I'd ever heard Conley ask anybody. (laughs) And so she looked at me with more love than I've ever seen anybody convey. Very sincerely, very quietly, she said, Oh, yes, Conley, I do. And with that, she picks up her books. She says, I've got to go to the next service. Now, I don't know what I expected. I figured if I had spent that much time and energy to compose a question, surely she could give me a longer answer. I thought maybe she would show me something in the Scriptures, or maybe she would point out something in an Episcopal prayer book. Maybe she would pray with me. She just smiled the most loving expression I've ever seen, and I could close my eyes. Even now, 50 years later, I can still see that expression in her face, and that image was before me for weeks. I think what happened was that was the beginning that we didn't recognize of this progression of miracles that God took her simple answer, oh, yes, Conley, I do, and the expression on her face and the Spirit of God through her spirit, and it was indelibly imprinted on our spirits. And that was just totally new to me. I'd never experienced anything like that, and I don't I think you had either. No, I had not. It was almost like Jesus was there looking at me. It came through her faith in him. Well, we had devised various ways to try to get her to talk about her life in classes in January and February of that year. And she was being very straightforward in teaching C.S. Lewis, because that's what she'd been asked to do. So finally, I asked her at the end of February if she would come over to our house on a Sunday night and we'd get the class together and she could talk about something other than C.S. Lewis. So she said, oh, yes, I'd do that. And so on a Sunday morning, we told the class that she was going to come to our house that evening and share her life with us in greater detail. Well, you know, I remember that particular Sunday when we invited them all to come. It was one of the largest classes we'd ever had. I mean, it was up pushing around 70 people. We brought in extra chairs, and that room was full. Most people just kind of nodded, or they responded positively that they would probably come. Now, we figured, you know, maybe 15 or 20 people would show up. (laughs) So Signa made this enormous platter of chocolate chip cookies. And I fixed an urn of coffee that I think held 40 cups, and I was worried we wouldn't have enough. (laughs) So at 7 o'clock that night, as we were prepared for the crowd to come from the class, Leanne was there, 
And another lady who also was on the board of the church, as the Episcopalians called their vestry. I've got to tell you about this. I went to the door that night, and I couldn't believe this woman who was the first one there after Leanne. I'll try to describe her in a way that can make you see her without giving too many details. But we're not going to use real names because we don't have permission. But we called her the Earth Mother. She had a bunch of children, six, seven children, I don't know. And she was dressed like a hippie, sort of. And she just was very casual about life. And even though, as Conley said, she was on the board at the church, I was always appalled that one of her favorite expressions was, Jesus Christ, so what? It's all about love. I always thought, even with my lack of commitment, that that was a little disrespectful. But she had long, flowy dresses and lots of jewelry and long hair and just an interesting, hippie-looking earth mother. And so she walks in, and I was just floored. She would have been maybe the last person I would have guessed who would come. So she comes in and gets seated and gets her coffee and her chocolate chip cookie and hear another knock on the door. And this time, it's a woman. I didn't even know her name, but I had seen her in church. And the way I perceived her was to be the most perfect-looking woman I had ever seen in my life. I would have described her to you as the perfect size two who always wears a white linen suit that never wrinkles, and a hair was never out of place. I never heard her talk much. She was extremely quiet, but very sophisticated-looking and put together. And I'm thinking, wow. I didn't expect to see her there. And then I saw this man walk in behind her, and I'd never seen him anywhere. And she says, oh, this is my husband. And he just nods. And I realized he's not going to talk much. That wasn't his gift. But he was with her. And the only thing I think we ever heard him say the whole night was, yes, dear. (laughs) So... We waited, and we waited, and we had more coffee and cookies, and we finally realized after about 45 minutes, no one else is coming. And I couldn't believe it. Out of this whole group, who all seemed excited about this, we have three people besides Leanne. And Leanne was delighted. She thought that was just perfect. So we all sat on the floor. Now picture this. In our den, we had red shag carpet. And I want to tell you, this was quite something. In the 70s, we were pretty proud of that red shag carpet. (laughs) And we sat in front of a fireplace, and it was a cold, rainy night that March 5th. And Conley was have a roaring fire going when everybody got there, and he brought in firewood and all, but it was damp. And it sputtered, and it smoked, and he poked around at it a lot, added a few new (laughs) kindlings on it and all. But it was funny. I was watching him and realizing what he was doing because Leanne just started sharing her life and just telling things that we had no point of reference to whatsoever. And I could tell it was making Conley a little uncomfortable. It was more than a little. We were. <laughs> she was bringing up subjects that I never talked to anybody about. 
And, you know, if you're uncomfortable in a setting around people, there's several things you can do to distract yourself. One of them is if they've got a dog, you can play with the dog. If they've got a baby, you can go play with the baby. And if they've got a fireplace, you can play with the wood in the fireplace. And our our fireplace had one of those gas jets, and it would take off. So I played with that all night when things would get to the point I was afraid Leanne might ask me something that would be an embarrassing question. Well, anyway, the fire never started. The wood was wet. There was no hope, but it gave Conley something to do. Well, after an hour, maybe, hour and a half of these— No, no longer than an hour Probably and a half. an hour and a half of just telling story after story of praying for this person and seeing them delivered from drugs instantly and seeing cancerous tumors removed and seeing people's arthritis healed instantly and lame people walking. I mean, we were on overload. So Conley stood up and he went and gathered the coats of everybody that he'd put in a little hall and brought him in. And he said, well, we want to thank you all for coming. And Leanne, thank you for sharing. And this has been, you know, he was trying to be the gracious host and letting everybody know it's time to go home. This wasn't exactly what we thought it was going to be. So we're standing at the door, and Conley's handing out everybody's coats to them. And Miss Perfect Size 2 in the white linen suit that never wrinkles stopped and grabbed Leanne's hand. And she said, Leanne, I have never heard anything like this in my life. But if what you shared tonight is true, I desperately need this. Well, we all just stared at Miss Perfect like, what? You need this? And Leanne didn't bat an eye. She just grabbed Miss Perfect's hand and she brought her back over to where we'd been sitting on the floor in front of the fireplace. And she said, well, then, honey, we're not leaving until we pray for you tonight. Well, Conley looked at me and he's still holding some of the coats. And I looked at him and he's whispering, kind of mouthing, really, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. We've never done anything like this before. Yeah, the windows in that den were floor length, and people driving by outside could see us all kneeling there praying, and our two sons were upstairs awake. What are they going to do if they come downstairs and their parents are kneeling in the floor praying? You know, I couldn't imagine the embarrassment that I would feel. I mean, it's so funny now to think about it that way, but it was genuine. We were truly embarrassed because Leanne knelt on the floor and invited Miss Perfect to kneel with her. And Miss Perfect's husband, who always did what she did, knelt beside her. And then the Earth Mother just kind of threw her coat aside, and she went and knelt down, too. And Conley and I just sort of looked at each other, shrugged our shoulders, and he said, we're going to make this quick and get them out of here because it was awkward, to say the least, for us. So we found ourselves kneeling in a circle on the floor on the red shag carpet, having no idea what to do. None of us was going to pray. We weren't prayers. We had no clue how to pray. But after a few moments of awkward silence, Leanne said, I don't know how to pray for you, my dear, but the Lord knows exactly what you need. So I'm going to pray for you in the language He's given me to pray in. Well, I remember I 
opened my eyes as wide as I could and looked at Leanne, and I thought, what in the world is she talking about? And she starts to pray in this language I could not identify. And I love linguistics. I was a French major at the university, and I just, I love languages. I love root words and how they all tie together. So I'm trying to analyze what language this is. And I could tell it was not a Germanic language. It was more like a Romance language. But, you know, I'm doing all this in my mind, totally missing the point of what's going on, thinking this is the most bizarre thing I have ever done in my whole life. But I look across from me at Miss Perfect, and she just has tears running down her face. And pretty soon she's just sobbing. And I'm thinking, what in the world has happened to her? Doesn't she know this is weird? And yet something was going on in her that could not have been any more unusual for someone that perfect looking. So after Leanne prayed this prayer, then it got real quiet. Nobody said anything for, I don't know, it seemed like a long time. It could have been a few seconds, but you know, it just was, it was magnified. And we just sat there in the quiet, and I'm thinking, what do we do now? And I heard a sound, and it was like a dull roar, but it sounded far away. At first, I thought, oh, my word, it's a helicopter. And I thought, no, it's thunder. No, it's too continuous. It's getting louder and louder. And I remembered my mother telling me when she was a little girl and she was in a tornado and it sounded like a freight train coming and it blew this house down. And I'm thinking, oh, my word, we're going to have a tornado. And no one moved. No one acted alarmed. We just knelt there in quiet. And this roar came and it got closer and closer and louder and louder until all of a sudden it was like it came down the chimney and that pile of wet wood Conley had played with all night exploded an explosion of fire. It reminded me of what you're not supposed to do on Christmas morning after you open all the presents and you throw all the wrappings in the fireplace. They say, don't ever do that. That's what it looked like. There was like sparks and it was unbelievable. And in that moment when that happened, this is the part that is very difficult to describe. An energy from the fire came out and went around the circle of us. And it was so present. It was so palpable. You could feel it. It energized us to where I'd never felt that way in my life. And we all experienced the same thing at the same time. And then it was over. We, we just knelt there in silence for a little while. I don't know how long it was. The fire died down, and we all got up. And where we'd been strangers and it had been awkward only minutes before, now it was like we were the closest friends. We had something in common that bound us together in a way that was just miraculous. I don't remember anybody really saying anything, but we all hugged each other with a genuine feeling of emotion, and everybody was crying, and 
And what we wanted to do was keep Leanne and ask her questions, and she wouldn't do it. She said, oh, we won't analyze it tonight. We'll talk about it another time. And she just left, and she was just smiling. She just was so confident. Well, once they all left, Conley and I were so energized, we couldn't sit down. We were walking around the room. We were hugging each other. We were laughing. We were... We, just, we didn't know what to do with ourselves because we had an energy inside us we had never experienced in our lives. And I, re- I asked Signa, I said, do you feel something different? And she, and she said, oh, yes. I says, what do you think it is? She says, you know what it is. I said, I think it's God. She said, absolutely. It, was, it is God. Well, tell him the rest of what you said. Do you remember? Because he said, I know what this is. And it scares the hell out of me. (laughs) That's exactly what he said. And, you know, that wasn't profane. That was true. It was true. Uh, I think up to that point in my life, as I say, I'd been around church, and I'd always said, if I knew God was real, I would live differently. My priorities would be different. And from that moment on, I never had a doubt about whether or not God was real. And obviously, I had a lot to do with getting my life in his order, but there never was a doubt as to whether or not God was real. Well, that's that's the bare bones of the beginning of how we even got into ministry. And of course, we're going to talk more about that at another time. But we weren't expecting a miracle at all. We were expecting understanding and explanations. And God so frequently speaks into our lives without those sort of things we think we need, and he brings something we didn't even know existed before. So we just want to leave you with that this week. Do expect a miracle. Look for them. They may be small. They may not be as explosive as ours was. But whatever he shows you, take it into your heart and be thankful. Expect your miracle this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yellow Sofa, Modern Day Miracles. To find out more about the Badish Baz ministry and to connect with them, visit www.signabadishbah.com. The link for that is in the show notes. Special thanks to Daniel Matthews of Rockwell and John Rhodes of Rhodes Recording for producing this podcast. You can learn more about them by visiting their links in the show notes. Finally, if you're enjoying this podcast, consider leaving a review and sharing it with a friend. It truly helps.